Stav. Benny, how are you, mate? Good. You sorted out your coffee? I'm, I'm a little bit behind today. No, look, mate, as usual, heavily caffeinated uh, into the second one now. I thought I'd rip one out just before the podcast started. Feeling great, mate. So let's, uh, let's roll. Let's go. So I wanted to start with white belts, the, white, the um, fundamentals class yesterday. Like, what a great class. You know, we, we yeah. really got into, you and Patty really got into, you know, position before submission and really mm. focusing on those fundamentals, which is obviously what fundamentals class is about. Um, tell me, I think it's really important we go over that again. What are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, as white belts, we obviously struggle with rolling. We struggle to find the position, you know, and it's really about survival, which is what Clint, my, my buddy Clint was saying. Um, mm. You know, what can you tell us about that? What can you tell the white belts about that? Yeah, look, just the interesting topic that you're bringing up last night in class in the fundamental program, generally a very big class. Um, we're normally going over f- f- fundamentals uh, and putting a combination of fundamentals together for these guys to practice and drill and so forth. Uh, last night, we kind of went a little little off uh, off direction there. We I kind of came into the class with the idea of being 10 months open now, uh, everyone executing the positions fantastically. Uh, I wanted to get a little bit of feedback on where they were going, what their thoughts were, and, and basically pick their minds a little bit in regards to, um, you know, just getting some, some feedback and information from them. And it was quite interesting because I thought I'll start this. And if it gets, uh, if there's no, if there's no one asking questions, we'll just move into the techniques that we've been doing, you know, leading into that. But it was overwhelming how many people wanted to ask questions. And some of the things they were asking was quite interesting for me as well, because one of the main things they were asking is about, um, I guess, more or less about escapes. Um, you know, cause we do, we, we are pretty driven on, um, Look, for me, my idea, my objective when you come in as a fundamental student is to get you familiar with, um, you know, foundation movements. You know, you need to know what a mount is, what a guard is, you know, how to control a back. Uh, we look at, you know, certain escapes through the through those techniques that we do. But it was quite interesting. People were asking, you know, look, it's good. Um, we're learning these positions. But when it comes to escapes or when the person is attacking, we're not sure of, how to offensively deal with that. So it was quite an interesting uh, way to start the class. And, you know, hence leading into next week, we're going to go straight into escapes, okay? But not only are we going to stick with escapes, we're going to go from escapes back into countering. So uh, I'm not a big believer of just working on the individual detail. I think that, you know, once you do escape, you should be trying to capitalise on that situation. And while that, you know, moment of, okay, I've got out, that's fantastic. You know, let's keep moving. Let's keep grinding, you know, sensibly, of course. But very interesting class. Um, yeah, re- really different direction we took, but it was great. Yeah, um, you know, Clint was sitting next to me just at the end and he looked at me because, we you know, we were basically sitting down talking for the first 20 minutes. So we were just all sitting down having this discussion rather than, you know, rolling or um, doing technique. And Clint turned to me at the end of it and said, I got so much out of that. That was unbelievable. Mm. You know, he thought that mm. was a great class. I thought it was okay. Yeah. That's nice, Benny. I'm, uh, I know you've always got my back, mate. And uh, lucky I know you're dry humour, mate. <laughs> Let me just say that. Hey, true story. I do remember some of the guys turning up in wetsuits. <laughs> I do remember walking into my first class and thinking... This is ridiculous.
Okay, so Sav, who's our guest on the podcast today? Okay, so today we've got, uh, well, look, you know, I refer to him as Professor Owen GK, but uh, my friendship goes a long way back with Owen, so, you know, I like to just call him Owen, but this is Professor Owen GK from Gracie Miranda. Yep. Uh, I'm very, very excited to have this guy on. Uh, you know, through this journey of jiu-jitsu, you meet people and, you know, and people come and people go and you build relationships. As we spoke to, as we spoke about in last week's podcast, you know, talking about being at the tournament, running into all these people, but this guy... Um, is probably one of the closest persons that I've, you know, been within jiu-jitsu on the mats, off the mats. Uh, our experiences in life have taken us overseas. We've opened academies together. We've run schools together. Um, I originally, my plan in life was to work beside Owen for the rest of my life. Um, he was swept off his feet by a beautiful girl. Um, Who's a future podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's coming on, coming on. And I don't want to put Owen on the spot here, but he's punching. Um, so yeah, I, I was originally planning on, you know, that, that was the direction in our lives. Like this, this guy's of such great importance to me. Um, you know, he was, I'd always thought we'd do something together. And as, look, you know, we were discussing this a little bit earlier before the podcast. Um, I had taken a little bit of time off in my brown belt. Owen's just relentless. He just trains, 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 trains. And, uh, he, you know, he's very committed. He's very dedicated. He was the head coach at Alexandra for, uh, how many years would that been, Owen? Seven, about seven mm-hmm. years. Yeah. yeah, seven years. So, I mean, and, I mean, this guy's just a workhorse. But during that period, I'd taken some time off in my brown belt. Um, you know, he'd met with Sarah and, you know, their relationship bloomed and, you know, they're, they're married and they have a beautiful little boy now, Jude, um, who's definitely taken on mum's looks. We, we pray to God every <laughs> night for that. <laughs> Thank thank the Lord. But, uh, yeah, look, this guy's of great significance to me and I, I'm truly honoured to have him on. Um, and you know, look, that's where we've ended up, uh, just finishing that story. Owen has moved forward and opened Gracie Miranda with Sarah. Sarah's a brown belt too, by the way. Uh, mate, she is uh, absolutely at the top of her game. Um, she's yeah. an unbelievable practitioner. And um, yeah, so I'm really, they run a very successful academy there and that's led to me sort of going on my own path and opening Gracie Botany. So, yeah, mate, I'm really excited to have Owen on. Uh, I want to welcome him, and, yeah, I can't wait for this podcast. Yeah. So I, I guess the first question that everybody wants to know is how long did it take the both of you to get your black belts? Like from start to finish, from the from the time you first walked into the, your very first jiu-jitsu lit, uh, class to getting your black belt around your waist, what was the time frame roughly? The, uh, this is a... This is a question that any white belt wants to know. Okay, so I guess welcome. Thanks for the warm welcome, kind words. Um, it's really great to great to be here on the on the podcast. I never thought I'd ever be on a podcast, <laughs> but uh, anyway, here we are. Um, so I think my first my first jiu-jitsu class was nineteen ninety seven. Um, back then it was in Queensland. There was only two guys teaching. Um, and they were both blue belts. So whenever you go to class now and you have a look around at the blue belts, imagine those guys running a school. Back then, that was that was the only jiu-jitsu that there was. So I started there uh, on the Gold Coast with a guy called Vincent Perry, and um, I did about a year, and then life got in the way, and I just didn't. I stopped training, and then I moved moved to Sydney um, in '99, 2001. I started training again. 
Um, and then I started in March and Bruno turned up in May, I think it was, 2001. And I pretty much started, but that's kind of when I, I take my actual starters around 2001 because, uh, you know, a lot of the time it's just like that when you're learning from a blue belt who's still so early in their development, you just pick up a lot of the things that they like to do and some of those good things might be good, some of them might be not so good, you know. And then, But when you start training under a black belt, you know, they can kind of tell you, look, don't do this, do that. So that's kind of around about when I take my start it was 2001 and I got my black belt 2013. So, so, about 12 years. Yeah, about 12 years. But I did take – I took another break in the middle there for, you know, Two or three years off as well. Yeah. Just taking a digression, Owen, because when I came down to see you and Gracie Miranda, and thank you for having me there, you actually were saying something really interesting that when you first started um, um, classes here in Sydney with Bruno, it was in like a garage or a shed or something that was very, very tiny. Just tell us about that because I thought that was so interesting. You know, we've got the big mats of Miranda and uh, Gracie Botney, but it sounds like you had maybe the size of my dining room table. Yeah, so uh, one of Bruno's first gyms was actually it was downstairs in the city. Um, there was a, it was like a there was a gym. It was a terrace house that someone had had turned into a gym, and um, you'd go downstairs, and it was actually the car park that where they would park their car. There was two, but they were separated by a wall, so you'd have half of us on one side and the other half on the other. There might only be. I don't know. You you get two pairs to roll, but it was literally as wide as the car. So you get swept and you'd hit the wall and you'd reset back in the middle, and then you get swept the other way and you'd reset back in the middle. I don't know how how much jujitsu we actually did because we were always resetting back in the middle. Um, but it's kind of, it's the kind of thing that it's one of those things that because it was, you know, there wasn't that many people doing it back then, but. Still, I'd, you'd have to roll. And even if you wanted to roll another round, you'd have to sit off and wipe, watch. Yeah. So it's one – we were talking about these skills and these skills that you have to you have to get. Nowadays with the big gyms, everyone can roll all the time. You don't need to sit out rounds if you don't want to, you know. But it's a skill that really, you know, you'd sit there. Sam and I would sit there and we'd be talking about what was happening and then you'd, you may be watching someone that just gave you a hard round and you're like, oh, he did that. That's the thing that he did to me. So then you can start to process in your head what is it that he's actually doing and then you can, you know, so I think sometimes that that's one of the things that the skills that you get, the ancillary skills that you don't, you often take for granted just, you know, having coming from those small gyms. Well, you know, and the important thing for, I think, listeners is, is that this is how young BJJ is in Australia. That Bruno, who's big name here, he he had this little thing, how many years ago was it? Like it's virtually not much older than the iPhone. Yeah, two thousand and that would have been two thousand and three, two thousand and two, something like that. The iPhone came out. Not that I'm a nerd or anything, but um, and (laughs) yeah, and so Sav, how long did it take you to get your black belt? Uh, I started a little later than Owen. I was um, I was doing a little bit of boxing down at Coogee with some of the local guys from Maroubra, and Bruno had moved into town, and I'd heard about him and um. A couple of the local guys were trying to get him to come down and do some classes and, you know, he, he sort of agreed to come down as long as they could pull some numbers together. I, I think I spoke about this story in the very first podcast um, and I started with him. Uh, he, he ended up coming down in 2003 and then the boys were trying to lure me in um, 
it's funny because just recently, uh, Monday night passed, we went over to Gracie uh, Alexandra, myself and Owen and Joel from Gracie Balmain, and they had a tribute to Bruno. And basically the motto on the wall was a, uh, a white, uh, black belt is a white belt that never quit. Um, and then what they had was these photos and they were given to Bruno and Bruno had to speak a little bit about each photo. And the photos were his journey in jiu-jitsu, um, not necessarily since he arrived in Australia, but even pre-Australia. Um, and he was mentioning during that, that, you know, I guess that celebration about how he said, you know, I remember Sav walking past the surf club and we were laying mats and we said, hey, come here and give us a hand, you know, and next thing I'm laying these mats upstairs, you know, nothing like a nice casual walk and <laughs> next thing you work and Bruno's good at that. <laughs> and and um, anyway, one thing led to another and I went down and did a couple of classes, but that would have been about uh, 2003, I believe I started, maybe late 2002, 2003. And um, anyway, from there, it was just so addictive and I just kept training and training and training. And I got my black belt in 2000 and uh, what is it now? 22. I've been four years on the black belt now. So yeah, around 2018, 2017. So, so, so when you both look back on your journeys, is there mm. any part of it you change? Do you look back at it and say, I'm going to, you know, that wasn't necessary or that was, or is it, is everything that you have experienced absolutely so fundamentally important to where you have arrived now? Yeah, no regrets. Absolutely none. You know, there's things that, you know, happened during that period that, you know, I kind of look back and think, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. But, you know, I truly believe that the path you put on is the journey. Um, you know, I have no regrets. I really enjoyed the, 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 the travel and the time. And you know what? We've learned a lot. You know, myself and Owen have had, you know, life experiences on and off the mats, you know, yeah. that have put us to where we are today. And, you know, we're both very successful um, gym owners, um, you know, running very successful schools. And we talk most days, you know, uh, not as much as we used to, but we're pretty regular, you know, like. Uh, I just got to find, I know when I pick the phone up to call him, I need that sort of half hour, hour thing, you know, even now I, you know, like we do, our time is limited, but even if we just chat on the way to the gym and so forth, you know, it's always, you know, I still speak to him very, very regularly. He was a big part of building Gracie Botany for me. And when the doors open, he was there and, but yeah, no regrets. Um, yeah, just really, really happy to be where we are today. Owen, what about you? You're looking back, you you say, what what do you think to yourself? Yeah, I'd have I'd have to agree. I mean, you could you know could we go ahead and change it? I mean, part of the part of the whole process is about learning from your mistakes. You know, being being a human and make you know making those mistakes, learning from them, picking yourself up, and going okay, probably better way to do that. You know, and then just and moving forward. And I think that's one thing that you know we've like like Sav said, you know, we've been through been through a lot of stuff together. You know, and we you know support each other hundred percent. You know, through thick and thin. That's the that's probably the. You know, I probably wouldn't change anything because, you know, even those hard times that reveals a lot about your character, yeah. reveals a lot about your friendships and who who's going to be the ones that, you know, like when times are tough, then you can count your real friends. You know, that's when you find out who's really with you and who's not. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Sav mentioned, you know, that, that, that old cliche, uh, black belt is a white belt that never gave up. Does that sound about right to you guys? Because as a white belt, black belt is so off into the future for me. I'm just, I'm... What I'm focused on today is getting to lunch class. And I can tell you at 11.30, 
I'm going to start talking myself out of going to lunch class, even though I love it. I'm going to go, I'm too busy. I've got too much on. I'm feeling a bit tired. I'm, my shoulders are a bit, you know, and between 11.30 and 12 o'clock, I'm going to really be having a battle in my head. That's my battle. Black belt's long, long way away. But looking back, like, does that, does this white uh, black belt is a white belt that never gave up? Does that, does that seem about right to you guys? Um, look, I, yeah, I th- there's, there's a big part of it. Yeah. That just, just turn up every day. You know, I'm, I think we, you know, like I was always just trying to get better at jujitsu. And I think this is the thing that you, you're always trying to get better at jujitsu, but, and it's just your definition of better and good just moves off into the distance. I don't think you'll, you know, it's part of being a martial artist. I don't think you ever attain that level of perfection that you're striving for. You know, and therein lies the beauty that you you're aiming for something that you know you'll never ever get to, but you keep trying. You know, where about you, Sav? Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, look, moving towards a black belt was always something that you know I'd aspired for as a dream. Um, you know, seeing guys like Go and get his black belt, you know, before me, obviously being around along, you know, sort of while I took that period off, he was very committed, so I was very honoured to see him get that. You know, I guess at that stage it became of more importance to me, you know, seeing my friends do it and watching these guys move on and open academies. And I thought, okay, you know, you get that self-doubt like, oh, have I, have I missed the boat? Is everything, is this all too late? You know, like I was quite cushy teaching, you know, getting paid well and, you know, working out at Qantas as well. So things were good and, you know, but I was watching these guys in their own academies and I'm thinking to myself, I really want a piece of this, um, you know, but I was sitting with my brown belt and, you know, I really wanted to get the black belt and I thought I'll make those decisions then. When the black belt arrived, it still took me quite a long time to make that jump. Um, but, you know, in saying that, um, yeah, look, I agree with Owen as well. I just think that, you know, pretty much, you know, it is what it is. And yeah, and just happy to be here now. 100%. And on that topic, you know, and I don't want to offend you guys, I love the the name Gracie Botney. And Gracie Miranda is fantastic. But Gracie Underdog, that is <laughs> awesome. That, I mean, that just... <laughs> When are we doing that again? When, 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 you know, like tell tell one of you tell us about Gracie Underdog because this is such that's a that's up great... to Owen, mate. That's up to Owen. <laughs> well, I mean, we we started that as purple belts. I mean, we were just we had there was a gym in the city that Bruno used to run, and then he was something happened and they lost the place where they were going to do it, and he so he was like, I'm just going to shut down the gym, and then I was like. You know, Sam and I were talking. There was like there was twenty guys in the city that that were looking for another gym, essentially. And we were, I was like, "Well, why don't we do something?" Then we that start just that little conversation just started the ball rolling. And next thing we know, Bruno's saying yes, and we can open the gym. And so we just found a spot in the city and and opened it. It was it was pretty rough the first <laughs> spot, but that was part yeah. of the charm, I think, as well. You know. It was, you know, he has to go up in this old lift that used to shake on the way up. He used to like, oh my god, am I going to die before I even get to training? Yeah, level level eight, right? It was yeah, something just, like that. Just around the corner from the cinemas in George Street. So yeah. Owen had sourced this place out, and like, mate, when he says the lift was shaking, like it was, it, you, you know, these days they'd have it all taped off. You couldn't go in there. Even the floorboards upstairs, there were spaces in them. I mean, you couldn't fall through it, but. I'm not joking, you mate. This this place was it was yeah. Like council would shut that down today, um, but yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt. I just want to because I want to just you know commend Owen because he 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 once we were in that place, 
you know, Owen said, look, you know, I think the building and something had happened there and we had to go. And uh, Owen went around and he was checking out all these places. I mean, this is a workhorse. He doesn't stop. You know, he's saying, hey, Sav, I've got, I've got this place here. Let's go check it out. And we were looking at a couple of places and, you know, Owen's really content to just, it is what it is. He'll just get in and make the best of something. I'm really fussy. I'm like, no, I want like a beautiful, more beautiful room. I want a, I want a nicer building. And he's like, Sav, mate, listen, do you know what the rent prices are in the city? And I said, well, I don't care. And he said, mate, listen, we're going to need 7,000 students. <laughs> you know, so anyway, he comes back to me one day and he says, hey, mate, listen, I've found this place. I think you'll really like this. It's, you know, right up your alley. So I've gone, okay, nice. And so he's taken me in and it was the Macquarie Trust building, I believe, next to Fairfax. Yeah. So I've turned up this day and in this beautiful fine dining restaurant downstairs and I've looked in the, in the, in the, where the building was and I'm like, mate, you know, this can't be the place. Like there's just corporate everywhere. This is this is not a jiu-jitsu school, right? Opposite of Hyde Park there, near the Sheridan on the Park. Anyway, upstairs I went and this lift door opens and I'm looking at this room and I'm thinking, oh, there must be some mistake, you know. So what Owen had done is he had, you know, gone around and done his homework and he had contacted this this particular place or this particular guy and said, "Look, we're a jiu-jitsu school. Um, they were a, a music school, I believe, or was a dance what's that? dance a dance studio." Yeah. So Owen's, you know, Owen's worked his magic and cut a deal with this guy and, and said, "Look, this is our situation. We're a couple of young blokes, you know." And the bloke was like, "Real all for it." He's like, "Man, that's great." He goes, "I'll tell you what I'll do." Uh, and we, we were only running lunch classes at this stage. So the guy says, look, my space is free during lunch. How about I lease it out to you? I mean, we were paying peanuts for this. Mm. Absolute peanuts. I mean, we had we had the issue of, it was a dance school. It was an active dance school. So we couldn't keep our mats down. So every day, like we, we you know, we spent a couple of thousand on mats or whatever it was. And we used to, store, the guy let us store them in his, in his dance room and everything. I mean, you, you don't find people like this. But each day we'd have to come out and we'd get, you know, our students turn up and we'd make like a single file and we'd pass the mats down the room. Yeah, and lay the mats. That's like great. Uh, No joke, yeah. And we did this day in and day out. And the teamwork to get these mats down was incredible. So anyway, when the students came up, they actually gave the school a nickname. And, and Owen had uh, came up with Gracie Underdog. But the nickname they gave the school was Silver Spoon Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> because of the place it was in. So... You know, and and it, you know, at first it was a joke, but then you'd hear them sitting on the wall and they talk, and you know, you know, you'd speak to them outside, and you'd see two of them and say, "You going to Silver Spoon tomorrow?" Like, <laughs> so, but awesome. that's where we ended up, and yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, like Owen had worked really hard to make that happen, so that was that was amazing. Owen, I've got a question for you. When we were chatting down at Miranda, you actually said that one of the reasons why you picked Underdog is because you felt that that was the most comfortable position for you when you were competing. Tell us about that because you had such a great mm. answer for me. Yeah, I feel like, you know, both Sam and I kind of had that thing. Like we were, used to compete a lot. So, you know, sometimes you'd get your, you know, you'd go through a grading and you'd get given a new belt and you'd go out, they'd, they'd just put the, you'd literally, it'd be brand new you'd, and you'd jump into the next comp. And we'd go out and we'd compete really well. It'd probably be one of like the better better comps that we do when we just got given a belt. And then as time wore on and then, you know, you start getting a few stripes on it, sometimes the results would, wouldn't be as good as when you just got the belt. And like mm. I, it kind of used to puzzle me a little bit as a, you know, like especially as a blue belt, like wondering what was going on. 
and then it happens again at purple and it happened, even even at brown belt it happened a little bit too and you start to work out that it's your psychology that that is what what this is what's playing a role here so you know when you when you get given a belt it's like there's absolutely no pressure on you you know you're going up against guys that that are probably seen to be much better than you that you shouldn't have any right to be in there like competing against them and you go really well because you just don't have any fear about what happens. You know, you just like, if they submit me, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, it's my first comp at that purple or first comp at brown or whatever. So you just had no fear about what, what was going to happen and you just be in the zone and just go really well. But then as the time wore on, I think it was just that weight of expectations. And that, that expectation just came from, you know, if you ask your training partners, you know, or your, or your teammates, do they really care? Are they going to be like, oh, Oh, he lost. I'm not even going to talk to him today. No, they don't. They don't care. They just, they just want to see you go well. And they just want to see you do do great. And so that mm. that's like you know when you start thinking about it, that pressure is all being put on you by yourself. That you want to do well. You don't want to let anyone down. And you feel like. And I felt like that's the way we did our best competitions when we were the underdog. So that's where the underdog name came from. It's mm. that's so true. So, mm. um, I think we'll get we're going to get onto some questions. I've got the first, I've actually got the first question myself. Um, actually, I want to start with Vicky's question. Vicky had a great question. She said that both of you have been so supportive of women in, in uh, BJJ. Where would you like to see women in BJJ move to over the next 10 years? Well, so that's a great question. I think we've come quite a long way. I, don't, I think we've got still such a long way to go. Um, but you know, it's great to see like, there's more and more female involvement, you know, it's great to see, you know, the girls getting involved. Part of the, you know, part of the reason is like, you know, we got into it, me and Sarah, you know, it's good to see Sarah take a lead role and being able to mentor the young girls and that like the bullying, the whole bullying thing. And for, for boys is hard enough for girls. It's like mental warfare. It's terrifying. It's like, very, so scary. Yeah. So scary especially for the girls. So it's it's good to have for all the young girls in the class to have positive female role models. You know, I think in terms of careers now, you know, it's becoming more and more possible for, for guys and girls to have careers in, in jiu-jitsu. Um, so I think, you know, we've come such a long way. Um, and I think there's, there's, much, there's, you know, we've got further to go still. So, you know, we should probably be probably pretty proud of the fact that, we, you know, where our schools are at and and how the women are treated on the mats and how they're you know they're given a safe space to come and train and exercise and they can feel valued and um you know so it's really important i think that you know that schools like like ours exist so that they that the girls can do that um as in terms of where you know where they're going the sky's the limit i mean there's there's just you know, and that's up to you know that's up to the girls as well to start breaking those barriers down and you know those glass ceilings and things like that for them to to take the initiative and say I can I can be the one to do this. You know, even look at look at Chris how she competes and stuff like that. That's such a good good role model for all the young girls to get out there and I can I can fight like Chris. You know, Chris is so kind and and beautiful. It's just you know see her go out there and rip in is amazing. You know, and that that can be such a you know it it can be you know you can you can be a girl and you can fight like kind of like crazy too. So it's great. Absolutely, Sav. Yeah, look, it's hit the nail on the head. There's you know not much more I can add to that. I'm a, I'm a massive massive supporter of the girls in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. 
Um, look, Owen's pretty much covered everything. I just want to sort of say, look, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, I'm just so supportive of women in jiu-jitsu and I'm really, really excited uh, for what's to come. And I, I do believe um, Owen is exactly right. The sky is the limit. It's up to them. Um, they, you know, I really encourage uh, women in, you know, you know, at Gracie Botany, I'm, I'm such a big fan of this, you know, girls program we have. We have the girls class every Friday night. Um, we have the girls come in and drill every night. Um and to see them turn up consistently is fantastic. Um, you know, just as Owen mentioned with Chris, she's such a good role model at Gracie Botany. And for her to not only be, uh, you know, this little small, tiny Filipino girl, but just she has the heart of a lion. And also to Miranda with Sarah, you know, and look, you've got Wendy at Parramatta. And there's a whole bunch of girls that are making a movement. And uh, I just really support it. Excited to see what comes. So my question to you guys is, and thank you for the last answer, but my question I'll start with you, Sav, is, What's the difference between how you thought you were going to feel as a black belt back when you were a white belt and now how you feel? Like, what's that, what's that gap? Uh, you know what? I just, I thought with the black belt, um, I don't know, I guess my thought process was all wrong. You know, the old saying of, you know, once you've got the black belt, the journey only just begins. Um, look, I've been pretty much straight into my own business as a black belt. Uh, so my... In, you know, the way I'm dealing with things today as opposed to the way I dealt with them before is like I'm a teacher now. I'm a you know, professor of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I've got a lot of people who rely on myself, not only on the mats, but, you know, just with structure and, you know, being at home and, you know, you almost become like a counsellor. Like people, are, it's pretty pretty full on what goes on and, and I just love it. I thrive on it. Um, look, I don't think anything's changed. Um you know, I'm very honoured and proud to have that belt around my waist as a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I can't tell you how proud I am. Um, but look, I'm still me. You know, I always will be me. And I just, I'm just really honoured to be here as a black belt. But look, how much has changed? Responsibility, you know, massive. Uh, but still doing what I love, still turning up to, you know, what I like to do best. So, you know, look, uh, as long as I keep being me and keep doing what I do, everything's good. Because I asked Owen this, and I'll ask you both. You know, you you both have been, and I know it's a little bit tr- it's a little bit untrue, but you both have gone from being graded to now grading. What's that like? Mm. You know, like because now all of a sudden you're, you're you're going from you know, like you know, being a student almost to being the teacher, and it sort of happens relatively quickly. You know, so mm. is that a weight? Do you feel like that's a, a weight and a burden? Or I'm sure it's a privilege, but is it something that you guys weren't expecting might be as challenging as what it is? <laughs> um, it, it's definitely a privilege. Yeah. Um, you mm. know, I think it's, there's, I, I mean, I, I'm sure Sav feels the same way. I feel the weight of that upholding the standard to a high degree. I mean, it's one of the beautiful things in jujitsu is that, you know, there isn't, you know, 40 belts. It's there's, there's five belts and that's it. You know, that's the, they're the main belts and you just, you have to uphold that standard, you know, and some, you know, some schools might be, you know, they make, they might make it look a little easier, but I mean, the thing is that the whole point of jujitsu is that it's hard, you know, Mm. and that Mm. get it, you reach a level, you feel like you've made a massive achievement, and each each belt is a massive achievement. They get bigger and bigger as you go. So I feel like there is a there is a bit of weight to uphold that standard, 
you know, and I think it's it's something that we we guard pretty closely. I mean, I know Sab definitely does. I do the same. You know, like we've got to, you have to guard that level of um, commitment and and effort that everyone has to put in, so that it's you're not devaluing it over time. That's that's a massive responsibility. Moving right along to another question, Mitch. Mitch was very excited for today's podcast. Mitch had a great question. He said. Um, he's asked, how has being a black belt transferred across into your daily life? Um, things still move along as per normal, you know. It's um, Look, like I just mentioned in, in my previous answer, um, look, I feel like with the black belt on, as I mentioned, I'm greatly honoured to carry it. Um, you know, I don't go around in conversation and say, oh, I just, you know, letting you know I'm a black belt. Like, it's not something I think a lot about. Um, it Like, I'm still me. I think the thing that it does do is, you know, just with my decision making, just, you know, in general in life, you know, like it's it's made me a better person. You know, I think a lot more about what I do, how I do it, you know, how I'm, you know, even if I'm off the mats, you know, my social medias and stuff like that, like I'm very conscious of, you know, what goes up because, you know, I guess that's where, you know, the black belt uh, situation comes in. You know, I, I'm always very particular of, of, you know, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing at the Academy, if I'm speaking to people, I mean, I'm conscious of what I'm doing and, you know, making sure that, you know, I, I'm not being, uh, an unreal person, but I'm just, I'm more aware. So being that black belt and particularly running the academy, you know, I'm conscious of how I act because ultimately, you know, this, this, um, I think me playing the role of being me is a big, uh, you know, people look at that and, and they decide, you know, well, look, you know, he does that so I can act like that. So I try and always set the best example possible, but just, you know, it doesn't change much for me. Um, on my time off, I, I try and spend, I well, not try. I spend a lot of time with my family these days. Like I'm, you know, when I was going through my belts, you know, we're going out and sort of, you know, doing things and, you know, going away or traveling. But, you know, outside of the academy now, my priorities are different. I'm, you know, very strong family man. And I really, really love and adore my family. And, you know, just I think my behavior overall has become much better as a person, as a man, you know, being in the position I'm in. Owen. What are your thoughts? I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with Sav. Like, pretty much very similar. Like, I mean, I'm, and now I spend a lot of time with my with my wife and my son. That's pretty much you know, like if I have a weekend off or a day off, that's pretty much what I'm doing. With what can where can we take Jude? What can we do? Mm. But I think it pretty much, it does filter throughout your life. I think you think a lot. You know, we talked about you know you being when you get your black belt. It's a very introspective thing. You look at it, what it means to you. And that does flow through in other areas of your life. You know, you, you, you have that, you know what it takes to be good in one area of your life. And so then I think it's a very easy process to transfer that across other areas as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Um, M. Guan, I think that's Michelle. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's Michelle. Asks, how do you know when you're improving in BJJ, going there day by day, it's really hard to tell. Uh, look, you're always improving and you've got to remember when you're in your academy and you're training with the same people, like, you know, you, you kind of start to cancel each other out. And I've often said this to, to the white belts and you are always improving. 
And the thing is, when you're improving, the people you're training with are getting to counter what you're doing. So um, like jujitsu, you're always learning, you're always growing. Uh, it mightn't seem like it at, at certain stages. You know, I've gone through stages where I'm thinking, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm just not getting any better or, you know, this is, this is hard and I can't, you know, get on top of this person or, but look, being in the black belt now, some of my best sessions and, you know, I want this to reiterate with, you know, whites and blues and some of my very best sessions and I'm very sincere when I say this, we have a lot of visiting black belts come to botany, as you know, like they just roll through the door and uh, they just lock their eyes on me and it's go time. And, you know, look, some of those, some of the better sessions for me is it may be something as small as a little hip adjustment, which gives me a better angle to set something up. And, and I know you might think, wow, I thought you were going to come out with, you know, the submissions and, you know, not necessarily. So I want those, you know, sort of lower belts that are coming through and learning to understand that each day you are learning, each day you are getting better. And it might necessarily seem like it at the time but you are always growing. And remember the one thing with jiu-jitsu is this is something that's constantly going to challenge you day in and day out. And that's what keeps people coming back. You know, we're so used to living in this comfort zone and while you're challenged every day, you know, this is, this is the thing you keep coming back. But believe me, when I tell you this, you're always learning, you're always growing. Yeah. So, so basically if you're turning up, you're growing. Yeah. Yeah. Commitments, commitments, everything. And the last question is, I'll get you to start off with this one. Uh, This is from my my buddy, Clint. Um, If you had to pick a belt to go back to and do over again, which belt would it be and why? Uh, For me, that would be my purple belt. Uh, (laughs) Me too. Me too. 100%. I was just thinking in my head purple. 100%. Yep. It's like purple belts, the... If you, if I could give any advice to anyone starting out, when you get your purple belt, that's the one to really sit back and savor and enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. the you're you're a good role for any of the any of the belts in the in the gym. The, the black belts are happy to roll with you. Brown belts are happy to roll with you. Blue belts are happy to roll with you. White belts are happy to roll with you. It's a, it's probably the funnest belt that you could, you know, you could be on. It the game starts to make more sense. You know pretty much all the different positions you just have to work on you know like making things smoother and and tying things together better you know it's it that's bit that'd be the one for me if i could go back and redo one belt it'd be purple absolutely i couldn't agree more you know i use that analogy in class benny about you know the white belt doesn't have the the technique so they rely a lot on the strength and as they get into blue belt, that strength situation comes down a little bit, you know, and then they move into the purple belt. And when you are in that purple belt, like Owen said, it's such a fun belt. You kind of, you've got that technique, you've got your tools and your strength. You're not relying on it as much. You move into your brown belt and your strength goes down. And, you know, it's just, it's, but purple belt is a very exciting belt. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I think about the purple belts that I know at Gracie Botany, these are fun people. You've got Chris, Mitch, um, King, Remy, these are uh, Pat. These I, are, I noticed. I noticed she left Ian Schaefer out, mate. Oh, Ian, <laughs> Ian, Ian. It's all good. Ian, it's good between us. It's love between us. Ian as well, right? <laughs> Don't put me in that spot with Ian. The, la- the last time I rolled with him, I had, I, I cancelled my zero G flight after that because it was wasn't it was a completely unnecessary experience. Like it, it was like yeah, but they're just such good people to learn from. They're all they they're all yeah. you know they don't bring any ego to it. They're just there and they're just mm, doing what mm. they're doing. It's, I think it's one of those things that when you 
as as a purple belt, you really start to enjoy jujitsu at that point. You know, yeah, it, yeah. Everything kind of makes sense. You don't get, you don't have that frustrating thing when you're a blue belt or a white belt where you're like, I don't know what to do next. You kind of always have a plan, and I think that's that's you know when jujitsu starts to get super fun. So it's the happy belt. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Mm. I'm just going to end up by just talking about. Um, so next week, Sav, we've got Chrissy, Wendy, and Serena which is going to be yes. massive. I don't know how you and I are going to do that. I think we're just going to sit back, let the girls talk, and see where we end but up. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> I wouldn't dare try to get involved. <laughs> and the, it's like throwing fuel on the fire, mate. I can't wait. You know, I couldn't wait for this one. I, it's funny. I couldn't yeah. wait for every single one we've had because they've all been mm-hmm. so fantastic. And then the week after that's back to you and me. But we do have a brand new segment. We've got the Sway Man who has agreed to review some geese for us and talk about, you know, ghee etiquette and how to wash your ghee properly. So he's going to start that segment. Thanks, Sway Man. He agreed to it just a couple of days ago. So that's going to be super fun. Right. But other than that, let's wrap it up, Sav. Okay, look, before we go, obviously, I want to do, as I usually do, I want to say a big, big thank you to Owen and yourself, Benny. Uh, mate, Owen's just been such a big part of my life. I, I just can't express how much I love this man. I uh, love him and his family dearly. And regardless of jiu-jitsu or whatever it is in life, that's one person I know that will be with me till the very end. And just want to say thanks for coming on, Owen. I really do appreciate it. Um, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, definitely, um, I can see Benny looking at the computer screen a lot. I'd say he's getting a few messages from his, um, partner there to say, you know, Hey, Hey, let's cut this. But look, I could keep doing this for the next three or four hours. Let me, me tell too. you that. But thanks, Owen. I really do appreciate, um, but for now, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, mate. But for now, one, two, three.